Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show. Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Demond Cotton and your boy Q through the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r and of course, when we don't have a guest, you can call in as well at 702-365-9200. Many thanks to Gilbert Manzano who joined us in the last uh, segment or actually last half hour of the show. Uh, fantastic stuff from Monday Morning Quarterback and will be joined in a hot second by Emory Hunt. But we threw the question out there about Aiden O'Connell, the fourth-round pick out of Purdue what he'll end up being for the Raiders and what you think he'll end up doing in the NFL in general. Some think he's going to be a franchise quarterback. Others think he'll be a backup. Let us know your thoughts. 69187, keyword r Join us now on the Fulton Lines from Football Game Plan as Emery Hunt. You can find him on Twitter at FB Game Plan. And Emery, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. And we'll start right there. We'll start with Aiden O'Connell. I happen to think that he's going to be a, a, a really good backup. Some believe that he's going to end up projecting to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. When you look at the fourth-round pick out of Purdue, what are your thoughts on Aiden O'Connell? Yeah, I, I think his profile sort of lends itself to him being a, a solid backup, someone that if this was, you know, the 90s or early 2000s, he would fit that prototype of quarterback. He doesn't really offer much from an athletic standpoint. He's just a pure drop back, one, two, three, throw the football type guy. He does have a strong arm, and what I love about him is the fact that uh, you never really feel out of a game with him. He's going to keep fighting, keep battling, and I think that is something that you know you value as a quarterback because things are not going to go according to plan at any point in time during the game. You have to really you know fight through adversity. He's someone that has shown at times at Purdue that he's able to do that. You know, and one of the things that I keep saying is that I feel like in 2023 and beyond, you've just got to have a little bit of mobility, and that's what I don't see from Aiden O'Connell, and that's why I feel like he'll be a really good backup. But a lot of people believe that with that quick release that he could thrive in the NFL. He also throws a lot of interceptions with that quick release. So for me, it's <laughs> like, you know, careful to ask for. Um, you know what it is with, with Aiden O'Connell is the fact that everything is a fastball. So he's really about to develop some – uh, anticipation, some timing, some touch in order for him to overcome those obstacles. But when you look at that Raiders depth chart, he's, to me, already better than Brian Hoyer. So that makes him a good, solid backup. Forever long you want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo, he gives you someone that is at least, you know, a, another version of Jared Stidham, who has some athleticism, but he's more along the lines of that as opposed to someone that you can say this is the heir apparent. Again, we're talking with Emory Hunt here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. You know, I should have started with this. Actually, the Raiders came away from the draft with nine players selected. When you're looking at an overall class, how do you kind of judge, okay, this was a good class based off of like one year of, of, uh, of play on the field? You know, that's a great question because, you know, everyone is so fascinated with instant draft grades. I always take the time, I take time to look at the undrafted freedoms that they bring in as well because that's a key part to how teams approach the draft, and it's a part of the draft strategy. So just basing the entire undrafted free agents and the guys that they were able to pick, you can see a plan in place for the Raiders. They want to build depth. They want to build a length along the front lines. They want to actually find guys on the back end that can run. I thought they accomplished all of those goals. So when you think about getting my number one tight end, in-line tight end, Michael Mayer, my number one five technique in Tyree Wilson and with their first-round pick, someone like Byron Young, who can be a good rotational interior depth piece as well, I thought they did a really good job in, in that capacity and bring guys in that can really help them out. Then you also got to factor in special teams. Trey Tucker was a special teams pick. Why not get someone that has quick explosiveness and a dynamic ability with the football in his hands to help out your team? You're going to be on the field for special teams at least 33% of the game. 
So you better have someone that can return, that can kick, that can punt. So I, I, I like the fact that they address a lot of different aspects of their, their team uh, within the draft. I, I, I like how you brought up Michael Mayer. You said he was your number one tight end, and we've had a lot of conversations around here about Michael Mayer and uh, his production that he could potentially have in year one. And I don't think that he's going to have a ton of catches just because all the weapons around him, but I think he'll be a really good target in the red zone. Plus, Emery, one thing that stands out to me is his blocking ability. How much can him as a blocker help the Raiders' offense in general? Tremendously, and that's the part that I think a lot of evaluators in the media, we know NFL evaluators do their due diligence, I think a lot of people in the media that, that do draft work undervalue blocking in terms of what it means for an offense. And the fact that he's also a very good receiver, now you don't get predictable by personnel when he's out there on the field. Because let's say, for instance, if you were a team that, that had a Jimmy Graham at the time, you bring Jimmy Graham out there where you know he's not blocking, you know it's 9 times 10 going to be a pass. So when you bring a Michael Mayer out there, you don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass. And he's so excellent in run blocking, in my opinion, that helps out a Josh Jacobs. That helps out an Amir Abdullah, Zamir White to really get that edge or get that extra blocker on the second level that can clear out another pathway. And we know those guys can do what they need to do to take it to the house. So it not only helps out your run game, it helps out your pass game as well. Again, we're talking with Emory Hunt, football game plan. You can find him on Twitter at FB Game Plan here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. You mentioned undrafted free agents and how those guys might also factor into a team's overall class. What are your thoughts out of McClendon Curtis coming out of UT Chattanooga? He was someone that I thought was going to get drafted because he had such a really good uh, career at Tennessee Chattanooga. And when you think about if you go back and watch their game against Kentucky when he was paired up with Cole Strange, they really dominated that Kentucky front that had some NFL players on it as well. This was 2021 uh, tape, and it was like, wow, this guy is pretty doggone good. And also he had a really good week of work at the Senior Bowl as well. I thought he was going to be one of those small college guys to get drafted. And we know there's not – people always talk about there's a lack of you know, quarterback talent to fill NFL rosters, which I think is a myth. But they also say there's a lack of offensive linemen out there that, that to fill an NFL roster, which I also feel like is a myth because you're getting guys like McClendon Curtis in the undrafted free agent market. And this is someone that's going to push for a time within that too deep very early. So getting him technically, quote-unquote, for free was a major haul in the undrafted market for, for the Raiders. I also thought the fact that they were able to get someone you know, like a Jordan Perriman or, or you know, a George Parlis, really good players on the back end defensively that can help them out as well. So you know, for me, it's about how you manage the eighth round which is what I call the undrafted free agent market. And if you're able to balance that out with how you did in the draft, it makes your entire class come to full picture. Now, everybody knows that the Raiders needed to improve their secondary. And at corner, they drafted Jacorian Bennett out of Maryland. Leading up to the draft, we all heard that this is a deep draft in corners. Do you think that Bennett was good value in the round that they got him? I think so, man. He was my number four field corner, so I love the athleticism. And when I say field corner – the NFL game is played primarily in the middle of the field. But when I'm talking about field corner and boundary corner, I'm speaking specifically to the college game and saying that this is someone that you can trust in a wider side of the field versus a, a more athletic wide receiver because of his athleticism. He's great with explosiveness, all those things that you want to see and has a top-tier acceleration to close on a ball and minimize those run-after-the-catch opportunities. So, yes, where they got him and how I viewed his tape, I thought that was tremendous value. How quickly do you think he can get onto the field and have a you know like a starter's role or, or play a lot in, in the NFL in his rookie year? 
and, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough because you, you got to understand how he can get on the field. Mm-hmm. Okay, is he going to be a nickel guy? Is he going to be one of these, uh, you know, one or number two corners? And if he's going to be number one or number two, then you got to look at, okay, where is the pathway? Can he get behind Duke Shelley and compete with Brandon Faison for that job? You know, so to me it's about where he's going to fit. But I think initially because he was drafted in the fourth round, and we know this is a thing with the NFL, your draft capital means a lot. Special teams is going to be the key. So how great can he be as a gunner or someone in kickoff coverage could easily get him on the field in certain looks. Now he may be in a situation where, because of what he brings to the table athletically, he could be a matchup piece. So let's say week six, hey, you may have to get in there and be our number two because of this particular matchup against this particular opponent. In week nine, he may not be anything more than a special teamer. So I really think his athleticism gives him a lot more leeway to get on the field early as a, as a rookie. Again, we're talking with Emery Hunt here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I did want to ask you about the first-round pick, Tyree Wilson. How big of an impact can Max Crosby and Chandler Jones have on this young man coming out of Texas Tech who has a lot of athleticism, but still you can see is raw? Yeah, and that's the, that's the key. They're going to have to really, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how much he takes from them from a, a technique standpoint because he has the explosiveness, he has the length, he has the size that you love to see. Um, and you just want to see it kind of come all together consistently because that's why I compared him to Marcus Davenport when he came out of, you know, uh, UT San Antonio, you know, someone that on paper, you know, you're checking boxes, but in the actual game, you don't see it manifest itself consistently. And what better way to learn from two guys that have mastered the art of getting to the quarterback and Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. So, and, and quite honestly, someone like Jordan Willis, who was a very good pass rusher, at Kansas State, you know, mm-hmm. so this is someone that fell into a really good situation that he can learn from a bunch of guys that have found ways to get to the quarterback. And when if he can take to that coaching, take to that teaching from his peers, then the sky's the limit. Do you think there's an opportunity where Tyree is on the field with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones? Absolutely. You all automatically think of the NASCAR package. And when I feel like um, we're talking about where I had him as a five technique, someone that can kick down inside and rush over the guard, that's exactly what I expect him to do uh, right out of the gate, more so as a rookie. Get him on the field with Crosby and Jones in, in uh, you, know, you know, obvious passing situations, and that's where he can really keep it simple for him. Hey, man, this is all you have to do is get after the quarterback on this down, and that way you can you know, get your feet wet in the NFL but also excel and build up that confidence. That's exactly the pathway I see for him right out of the gate. I got one more question about the Raiders draft class. I know DeMond wants to ask you about the XFL. I wanted to ask you about Chris Smith, the safety out of Georgia. To me, he seems like Deron Harmon, who the Raiders had on their roster last year. He's a free agent right now. Seems like he's a young Deron Harmon. What do you see from Chris Smith, the safety out of Georgia? He was my number one free safety in his class. And the reason why I loved him at that, you know, at that position, because he's so great in terms of not making the same mistake twice. There was this specific game against Oregon where he got beat on you know a you know a levels route where you know they they're trying to bait the safety to jump the shorter route and they're going to hit the deeper route behind him right so he jumped the shorter route to hit the deeper route he was caught out of position i want to say two drives later they tried the same thing he stayed patient they threw the ball blindly he picked it off and that's the type of impact you have to have this is someone that's a great top down player so you know when you're talking about top down you talk about him driving on the ball, 
making plays on the ball, reading things out from a coverage perspective, understanding concepts, and then reacting accordingly. So he plays like a veteran in that regard. And I just thought that when you, when you have a free safety that really doesn't get beat deep, they could also make the smart play and can turn the ball over, that's the type of guy you want on the back end, at least as a free safety, whether it's a split field look or a deep single high look at, as a safety. I think this guy is excellent. Emory Hunt's our guest football game plan here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And let's say, Ralph, let's go ahead, Demond. All right, I've got to ask you about the XFL because last Ooh, week, yeah, the XFL, <laughs> man, it was so exciting to see the Arlington Renegades win the championship. They made the trade midway through the season to get Luis Perez, you know, breaking the hearts of all the Vipers fans out here in Vegas. But what did you think about that championship game of the DC Defenders being the best team all season long, but losing in the in the big one? It goes to show you, man. I know it's cliche, but any given Saturday, and, and that's the crazy part because. Uh, you know, or any given Sunday. Um, when you think about D.C., and I've, I attended a D.C. Arlington game. As a matter of fact, it was week nine of the XFL season. I was there in attendance, and I watched them dominate Arlington all throughout the game, got bored, and let these dudes get back in the game and push it into overtime. I just assume, okay, they understand that they can't play with their food out there in a big game, the championship but they get out there and they get punched in the mouth. And we had never seen D.C. get punched in the mouth like that um, because they usually punch people first and often and, and really put their, you know, their opponent at disadvantage. So it was more shocking to me. This was probably one of the bigger football upsets. It was almost like when the Giants beat the Bills in 1990, right, in that Super Bowl, Super Bowl 25, I believe it was, where the Bills were you know, high-flying offense and they, just got, they ran into a physical team that wasn't afraid of them, and that's what happened when you ran, when they, when DC ran to Arlington. So it was just shocking to see from a football perspective, like this wasn't supposed to happen. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people that put a couple shekels on the game also felt the same way too. <laughs> All right, I've got to ask about the DC defenders. Their head coach Reggie Barlow obviously had his time with HBCU colleges. Do you think that an NFL team is now going to give him a look? Maybe not to be a head coach, but at least bring him on as a coordinator. They, you know, that's a great question and great observation because they should bring him in as a head coach because you think about what he did in that situation. You're doing more with less. You don't have this big, vast budget of scouts and personnel. You really had a short period of time to put together a team, and you had the best team in the league and had them in a championship game. And it was funny to see him play the CEO role because if you notice, every game they played that was on TV and every game that we watched, they kept interviewing Greg, uh, Greg Williams as if he was the head coach, right? So the fact that he was able to not only you know, keep the, the, the ship tight and keep things rolling, also showing the humbleness to step back and, hey, I don't have to have the spotlight. My job is making sure everybody else eats. And I think that's something that people need to understand. That's a head coach. That's something you look for in the head coach. He, didn't work, he, he wasn't trying to be the best play caller or known for his plays and also wanted to be the offensive coordinator or anything like that. He was the head football coach, made sure everyone had the, the right you know, mindset, the right mission, delegated his responsibilities, and was able to sit back and watch his team execute flawlessly for 10 weeks. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for him in, in the championship game. But to me, what he showed this year, that's head coach quality. And speaking of head coaches, Bob Stoops has won a championship before Oklahoma. Should they make the call and bring him back? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's, that. listen. When you think about what we saw from Oklahoma, Oklahoma went from Oklahoma to, like, man, that team in the Big 12. It's crazy how fast that, that 
that that ship has sunk uh, in one year. I don't think they'll bring him back. I think he likes the I, I think he likes the pro coach, uh, uh, you know, uh, job because you don't have to like he said in the pivot interview. You don't have to worry about you know checking on people's classes and calling people's bombs because this guy not getting playing time. And you told me this on a recruiting trail. He likes coaching adults in the room, and he's made more than enough college money to where he doesn't mind. You know, probably getting pushed back from guys that are making money. So he still has that kind of, you know, I have more money than you hanging over these guys' heads. So I think he kind of is good where he is. He don't want to deal with this new age college football where you're dealing with NIL and right. guys transferring every other week. I, I would, I would. It's probably less stressful to be a pro coach now than it has ever been. All right, so I've got to ask about when it comes to the XFL players that may get that call to, for the NFL, Luis Perez. I mean, he's got the nickname the King of Spring, but <laughs> do you think he can ever make that jump to be an NFL quarterback? It's going to sound like I'm hating, but I'm not, man. I'm just being <laughs> honest. Like, he shouldn't because people have short memories. He got bent in Vegas, you right. know, because he was stinking up the joint. Mm-hmm. And he stunk in, in the game that I was at at week nine. Like, he threw, like, I think a pick six and had a couple of fumbles. He takes a lot of sacks. He probably should have thrown an intercept on that first drive. D.C. didn't have their top guy in Michael Joseph out there at corner. So I think, but, but in all seriousness, in fairness to Luis Perez, I think he's great where he is. And there is nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to start having guys focus on being stars where their feet are. And that's how both of these leagues, XFL and USFL, can grow. Everyone can't be NFL quarterbacks, and that's okay. Because there is a market for Luis Perez to be someone that can thrive in the secondary league. And that's nothing wrong with that. We've seen it with McLeod Bethel Thompson, uh, you know, thriving up there in Canada before getting this opportunity with the New Orleans Breakers in the USFL and having a great season so far. So I think if we start pushing guys to, hey, man, you could be a star in this league and let the people come to you, I think that's how we need to start focusing on. Because if he goes into the NFL, He's going to get exposed pretty quickly, and it's going to look ugly. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Emery. It didn't sound like you were hating at all. I mean, you were just being honest. I mean, he stunk when keep he was here real. in Vegas. Yeah, he stunk when he was in Vegas. Let's just keep it real. Like you said, keep it a buck. And, uh, hey, he's in the XFL. He's playing well. Good. That's that's perfect for him. So, Emery, fantastic stuff as always, my man. It's always great to catch up with you. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? I'm working on some USFL content, also working on 2024. I just came back from Hamilton, Ontario, looking at their um, college all-star game, um, getting ready to start 2024, man. So it's, it's nonstop <laughs> over the side. There's no doubt about it. Well, you do fantastic work. Again, football game plan. You can find you on Twitter at FB Game Plan. Emery, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And this F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter. Boom. There it is right there. Appreciate you. Have a good one, guys. There he goes. Emery Hunt, definitely appreciate him for all the feedback, especially on the Raiders draft class, a little XFL talk there as well. 325 is the time. We'll come back, talk to Derek Duncan, American 7 Football League, Square Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to Emery Hunt. Join us in the last segment, talking all things Raiders draft class. Speaking of the Raiders draft class, fourth-round pick Aiden O'Connell, quarterback out of Purdue, what is your gut feeling when it comes to Aiden O'Connell? What do you think he ends up doing in the NFL? What do you think he ends up being 
for the silver and black. 69187, keyword R&R. That's text line. And when we don't have a guest, you can always call us at 702-365-9200. But joining us now on the phone lines from American 7 Football League is our good friend Derek Duncan. And, Derek, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I do appreciate you. And off top, Derek, what exactly would I consider your title? I want to call you owner, CEO, Las Vegas chapter, president. What am I? What is your exact title? Uh, I'm going with owner and uh president of the Nevada and LA divisions. I like it. I, look, I'd go with the owner title too. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> <Make it easy. laughs> Yes, exactly. That's how I would roll. But the American seven football league, uh, no pads, no helmets. It's fun, exciting pro adult football. So if I am reading this correctly, I'm, uh, I'm not going into, but you guys are going into the last week of the regular season. Is that correct? That is correct. We got three games on the slate this Sunday at Bonanza High School throwing off at one thirty, and I say throwing off because we don't do any kicking. Right, no doubt, no doubt. So who's all playing, who, uh, and, and what are they playing for? Like the stakes, uh, obviously the last week of the regular season, then get ready for the playoffs. Uh, so game one is the Vegas Hunters versus the Vegas Cichlidate. The Game two is North Vegas Kryptonite versus the Vegas Force, our last season's uh, division champion. And game three is the number one team in the country, the Vegas Insomniacs versus Over the Top, who we call OTT. What's on the line this weekend is a playoff seating and ultimately a shot at $25,000 for the national championship. Wow, I like it. I like it. Again, Derek Duncan is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So you said that Vegas has the number one team in the country. I mean, what do you have to do in American 7 football? I mean, obviously besides win, but I mean, how do you get that number one seating? Because that sounds like a hell of a thing. Well, they're the last remaining undefeated team that plays in one of our stronger divisions. So people kind of look at us like we're the Big Ten in reference, and the okay. Northeast says like the SEC, we're the two primary divisions. A lot of the old hats would say that their division's stronger than ours, but we are, have elevated. This team is now 6-0, and likely be 7-0 after this weekend as they're playing one of the uh, teams that has been worked by a couple of the other higher-seeded teams in the country as well. So... We fig- figure they're going to end the in the regular season at number one, and then have to run the gauntlet of the playoffs to make it to the championship. You know, we talked to you before everything really had popped off a while ago. I want to say maybe it was even last year. Uh, since since you guys have been playing, and again, it's the last week of the regular season and getting ready for the playoffs. What has been the overall kind of feel from all the players and even the the folks that watch the games, like just about the intensity and, and the excitement level of the action? And so it's ratcheted up probably 30, 40% from last season. Last year was our first entree into the division, into the, into the league. We only had three teams, but we had three very competitive teams. Our, like I said, our division champion, the Las Vegas Force, went back east and was the first team to ever win a game against an eastern team on eastern soil in the history of the league, and the league's been around for 15-plus years now. Mm. So felt really good about that, but now we've got eight teams in the division and the class of Las Vegas, the guys who play in the – high-level flag leagues out here and play semi-pro out here have joined the A7FL and have ratcheted up the competition, and it's fantastic out there. Some of the best football you'll see. Again, we're talking with Derek Duncan here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. You mentioned the games that are going to be taking place at Bonanza here in Vegas this weekend. For those, for the uninitiated, can you explain maybe some of the different rules that you see in 7-on-7? Oh, thank you. So, yeah, we have two down linemen that are ineligible. There's no hiking of the football. The quarterback actually starts with the ball in hand and then puts the play in motion by slapping his hands together or just moving in general. Uh, There's no kickoffs, no punting. So when we uh, have a change of possession, we do a throw-off, like you used to do back in the day. Uh, There's no no puntings and no field goals. You have to go for the touchdown and extra points. You're going for one or two from the five or the ten. And outside of that, it's basically college rules. So one foot in for for, for a catch. 
the tackling requires that you break down and wrap, similar to rugby. If you throw a shoulder at somebody, you're going to get a personal foul, and two of those you're ejected from the from the game. So we do a lot to make it safe, but it's still hard-hitting and beautiful and a beautiful game. All right, so I've got to ask, when you mentioned that it was similar to rugby, that was going to be my next question. How hard have the players given you the feedback on the adjustment of learning how to tackle safely? Uh, it takes about one game. So we, <laughs> we <laughs> they stick their head in there one time without a helmet and go, oh, yeah, we're not supposed to do that. And they take a knee to the face and they go, okay, I'm done with that. And then everything's safe for the rest of the season for the most part. Uh, it, the adjustment is very fast. It, it, they if they practiced more and they're getting towards that, we get a lot of new coaches that are coming to the table and a lot more organization within the league. So it's starting to get there faster, but literally it takes one game and then everybody's kind of got the hang of it. But then the technique of how to take a man down when he's you know 100 or 200 pounds more than you, when you're a smaller guy, you have to understand how to use your body leverage and lean on a guy and wrap him down and have strong hands. And when you mentioned the teams on the East Coast, you, you made them sound very formidable. We're having, having a win on Eastern soil. So where does the championship game actually take place? I'm glad you asked. The championship game this season will be hosted by our Vegas division, but down in Bullhead City, Arizona, at nice. the Anderson Auto Group Arena, which is 100 miles from uh, McCarran. I'm oh, sorry, Harry Reid Airport. I didn't <laughs> get that right. Uh, so it's a 100-mile trip out there. Uh, beautiful indoor stadium, air conditioned in the middle of July, so we need that air conditioning in this area of the country, obviously. Uh, but there's no indoor stadiums in Vegas that can host a, an event like ours because we do a full-length field, and the only place that has it is Allegiant, and it's hard to get in there. You, they, they tell you it's <laughs> you 50 think? grand just to turn on the lights. <laughs> yeah. I, I can only imagine. Again, we're talking with Derek Duncan from American 7 Football League here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So as I was going over, you know, the championship game and what's going to go on in Arizona when, when that's being played, there's a lot of activities also that others could take part of, if I'm reading that correct. Is that right? Yeah, you nailed it. So we've got uh, uh, two more different football games that are being played besides our championship. There's going to be a uh, AIFA, which is the American Indoor Football Association. They'll be hosting a game between the Las Vegas Kings and the uh, Capital City Cyclones out of Tallahassee. Mm. Uh, they're an eight-on-eight indoor arena team, so we're bringing in a portable indoor dashboard field. They play the same type of ball as the Vegas Nighthawks do. Uh, we're going to have a $10,000 uh, adult flag tournament. That's, we're going to do pylon rule style, but with flags, so we can get rid of the issues of people saying I was touched or I wasn't touched. Mm-hmm. And that's $10,000 on the line. And then there's going to be an eSports tournament for guys that like to play NFL Blitz, NFL Streets, uh, or FIFA. We're going to have those going on, $50 entry for, for the eSports, a uh, $60 entry for the flag tournament, or $1,000 for a team. But should be a lot of fun, a lot of great football, all three types of football being played, our, our type, padded football, flag, should make everybody happy. How does someone get involved in, in those kind of activities that are going to be going on? Uh, so they'll go to a7fl.com, and all of the ticketing and everything like that will be available and on sale after this weekend. So on Monday, everything goes on sale. But a7fl.com, you can sign up on an interest list there as well, and then everything that happens, a7fl in the country, everything new that happens, you'll get an email if you like getting emails. I don't, so <laughs> I hope you do. <laughs> yeah, look, I got so many emails. I Man, I, I, they get lost a lot of times, but I'm checking out the website right now, and it's really your one-stop shop. It's got everything from uh, schedules, who's going to be playing, sponsors, I mean, everything, uh, news, videos, standings, players, everything is on here. And so uh, a7fl.com is where they go. And then, again, the games are going to be taking place this uh, this upcoming weekend and wins throw off. When does it start? One thirty p.m. Bonanza High School, six five 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 Delray Avenue. <laughs> at the it's uh, Charleston and Torrey Pines across the street from CSN Charleston campus. There you go. You know where that's at, right, Demond? Oh yeah, used to play at Bonanza. 
Oh, I mean, look, you know, Derek, no, no, no. Derek, Derek, let me tell you something. DeMond used to play everywhere in DeMond's mind. He no, ain't not ever, there. I mean, you, you, it's a, you're having a away game. You get on the team bus. He ain't ever you go to Bonanza. Derek, <laughs> have you ever met someone that has stories of all his great accolades he's done in his playing career, but there's never been one record of him playing anything? See, that's yeah, what you, we we tell everybody, show me the film. Exactly. Well, DeMond's film, apparently they were out of film when he was playing. So, you know, <laughs> that's how it all shakes 2014 was a, it was, a, it was, a tra- it was a tragic year, man. I don't know. <laughs> right. It was like COVID for film. They, right. they yeah. it, it, all, it all disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Derek, thanks so much, man. We definitely appreciate you joining us, giving us a little bit of insight on the American 7 Football League, what's happening this weekend, of course, the playoffs as well. And uh, we want our teams to win, so no pressure, but let them know that they got to win the championship. That's all. Hey, Q, Damon, thanks for having me on, guys. It's always a pleasure being on with you. I really appreciate the opportunity. I hope to see everybody out there Sunday. No doubt. And let's catch up during the playoffs. Please. Thank you. All right, we'll do. There he goes. Derek Duncan, American 7 Football League right there. We'll call him the owner. And we'll still go look for uh, look for Damon's film. Your film work is just missing in action. Hey, buddy, they came for look, a man. small school. Look, they didn't have the, uh, they didn't have the, equ- look, the equipment, the facilities. Look, I when mean, I, man, look, look, man. Okay. In my life, they didn't have the throwaway camera. <laughs> they didn't have a black and white camera. They didn't have the video, the VHS, the whatever HS, the, this, that, and the other. They haven't had everything. You're the only one that hasn't had anything. Q, let me tell you something. Tell I me know something. That you don't tell wanna, me something good. You don't want to hear the oral tales of, you know, the magic that was going on. I want to hear about some magic. I want to see some magic. When DeMond Cotton got in the game as a sophomore varsity against Bishop Are you Mormon, talking in the third person? Yes, yes, the DeMond oh, Cotton. Geez. When he got in the game against oh the number gosh. one team in the country, Q, in the country, Bishop Gorman. I mean, you know, I got that ball. I said, you know what? It's the fourth quarter. I just got in the game. I'm not passing it to nobody. I shoot that shot. Nothing but the bottom of the net. The crowd goes wild. My only two points of the game. And, buddy, let me – the place erupted. I don't need film – to document that moment because the fans got the memories. 3.39 is the time. The question that we threw out there is about Aiden O'Connell, the fourth-round pick out of Purdue, because I ain't buying none of that that I just heard. I'm not even going to address that. I want to know about Aiden O'Connell. What do you think the fourth-round pick out of Purdue will be in the NFL? What do you think he could do and be for the silver and black? 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 3.45 is the time. Coming up in about 15 minutes, our friend Sam Gordon from the RJ will join us to talk all things Haney and Loma. Big fight going on tomorrow evening. Looking forward to that. Thinking about buying that pay-per-view. We'll talk to Sam Gordon about that coming up at 4 o'clock. We threw the question out there about Aiden O'Connell and what you think he could do in the for the Raiders and in the NFL in general. Fourth round pick out of Purdue. A guy that's Pretty accurate from everything that I've seen and everything I've heard. A guy that's very smart from everything I've seen and heard. A guy who's gone through some adversity and overcame it. So he's got a lot going for him. For me, he's not a guy that's going to be moving the pocket too much. He's not going to be running too much. He's really, I don't want to say a statue, but he's not the most mobile cat out there as far as I'm concerned. So I think that you need to have a little bit of that in 2023. But we asked you the question at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187 keyword r Got a bunch of texts to get to, but we'll get to them right after we talk to our guy. Gangster Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, what's happening, Q? The mom? Chilling. Man, I'm not doing too good. I just found out about Jim Brown. I don't know if y'all know it or not, but Jim Brown was major influence out here in L.A. and in my life because during 92, 
after the um, Rodney King riots, it was the gang truce out here in L.A. And my neighborhood was the only hood that wasn't down with the truce. And so they, they said we had two weeks to get with the truce, so there was supposed to be a gang war between us and all the other gangs. Jim Brown came to our neighborhood, hung out with us on our block. He even opened up American office in our neighborhood, and he stopped what could have been a major bloody war. You know what I'm saying? And he took us to his house up in Hollywood at the top of the hills. And and he before he did that, I didn't think nobody cared about us in the hood. You know what I'm saying? And and Jim Brown did that. Jim Brown was a man. You know what I'm saying? And I'm kind of messed up today. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I just wanted to say, rest in peace, Jim Brown. And we love you, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm gone. Gangster Raider, I'm gone. Hey, good stuff, good stuff, and and good stuff in a in a in a bad way. Obviously, nobody uh, is is celebrating, you know, Jim Brown passing away. But yeah, that was uh, that was one, that was a big one right there. Uh, and of course, everyone is uh, is mourning the loss of Jim Brown. And so, uh, thanks for sharing that story with us, gangster. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, we can keep those uh, calls coming. Make sure you uh, take care of yourself, my man. Seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Who's up next, Damon? Raider John. Raider John, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's going on, Q? Chilling, man. Chilling. How you doing? All right, now, so let's talk a little bit about this uh, quarterback that we drafted. Okay. Number one, um, a, lot of, a lot of you commentators, podcasts and all, <laughs> you know, you, right when they drafted him, everybody was talking about, oh, we don't want a quarterback that's a statue and he can't, you know. Uh, however, the, the thing that people forget about is that we hired a coach. We hired a coach whose offense is predicated on a drop-back quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he has his offense predicated to. So why would we draft a quarterback that he has to have a, a whole different type of playbook, bring it to the table, and you say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is that his playbook is predicated, like I said, on sets of plays that Derek Carr couldn't execute, uh, you know, for whatever reason or whatever. I'm not I'm not going to go down that track. Right, I'm, I got you. Listen, listen, I got you. Okay, so so maybe this quarterback has it, it internally in his mind. One, two, three, find your theme, go, and it's predicated on having a solid offensive line. Oh, by the way, just like they had in New England. Okay, now I'm not mm-hmm. going to go down there and talk about Brady and this guy and this, that, and the right. other, but I'm talking about the system. It's the system that we're talking about. It's the system that Mark Davis and the general manager brought in. We all agree. They all agree. This is the type of offense we're going to run here in Las Vegas. Okay. It's not going to be a Baltimore Raven one. So, you know, all I'm saying to the Raiders, the Raider Nation, hey, give this guy a chance, and, let, and let's see what he does, and let's hope he doesn't even have to see the field until, you know, sometime in, in the preseason we'll see the hell out of him. And after that, he's just sitting there with the clipboard, hopefully taking good notes. But if he's called upon, he's going to run the offense that Jimmy G is running. Right. It's not going to be a different kind of offense. All right, man, so there you go. That's my idea, and uh, have a good day. Well, hold on. Before you hang up, i got a question okay. for you. What, what, so what's your okay. gut feeling on what Aiden O'Connell does in the league is really all I'm asking. Well, what I, I think he's going to do a damn good job. I've watched okay. a lot of tape, a lot of film. I've seen him. There you I've go. seen him when he comes under pressure. I've seen him move, yeah. But you know what? He had an offensive line made of Purdue people. <laughs> I mean, he was playing the Big Ten. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be fine. I think it was a good draft pick, and the reason why I think it's good is because I believe that that's the quarterback that uh, our coach was looking for. He got wanted it. that type of quarterback, and he got him. I like it. I like it. Good stuff. Appreciate the call, man. Keep it coming. I appreciate you. 702-365-9200. ABA Ivan Davis, you're up next. What's on your mind? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yep. Um, I think I'm a lot 
the other caller. I think that he's going to be a good quarterback. Generally, smart quarterbacks that are accurate and can at least throw somewhat deep usually make good good quarterbacks. I can see comparison when you watch him on film to uh, Tom Brady. Okay, I'm with you. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, to I ain't going to. I ain't going to do that to him. Okay, but. <laughs> I mean, but you, but the traits, not not, not necessarily the accomplishment, gotcha. but the traits are, are there. And so, the best thing you can do, to be honest with you, is to sit him because if you really think you go, he's going to be your man. You got to build that offensive line because if he's not mobile, he, I mean, these guys are going to flat out go hunting. But with all, but with the talent that we got around him, hopefully he's smart enough. One, two, three, let it go. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, Three-step drop is what we used to call it. One, two, three, the ball is gone. Okay. And so uh, he seems smart enough for that. And my man's offense is difficult to learn. So the best thing he could do is sit behind Jimmy, mm-hmm. learn the offense, you know, be his like, be his water boy, basically, and learn the offense until until he's ready. Okay. I like and it. play him a lot in preseason to see what he got. Thanks a lot, Q. Go Raiders. I appreciate you, ABA, Evan Davis. And that's the one thing that I'll definitely agree on with uh, both calls that we had. I know that he's very accurate. I know that he is very smart. That is something that is probably one of the traits that maybe not enough people are talking about that I continue to talk about is how intelligent he is. Like everyone we've talked to, and we've done profiles on him from people that covered him. We had people that we actually had on the show talking about him that covered him there at Purdue that were surprised that he was taken where he was taken, but gave him all the credit in the world. Said, hey, the dude's smart. He's overcome a ton of adversity. He was ninth on the, what, depth chart? Was a, a tight end at one point? They made him walk on as a tight end, and he overcame that. Like, there's a lot of great things, a lot of good traits that he has going for him. I'm interested in seeing how he develops. The thing is, when it comes to the overall feeling on him right now, I feel like there's a you know there's a, a group of people that think he's going to be a franchise quarterback moving forward. Like he could end up being the dude, or some. And I'm in that camp, but I have no problem saying that that I think that he's going to be a really good backup, and that's okay. That's okay if he is that too, right? So only time will tell, obviously. None of us know. They haven't done anything outside of throw the ball around a little bit. We'll see a lot during training camp. We'll see a lot during preseason. I'm interested to see, but it's just when you hear the difference of opinions, it's so it's so one way, DeMond, or the other. It's like it's 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 a big spectrum of, you know, of who he's going to be or what people think he's going to be. Yeah, it's unfair to the quarterback position to me when it comes to a fourth-round pick. No one's thinking of Jacorian Bennett. Is he going to be the next Dion or a bust? <laughs> right. It's just, hey, if he's a nice, solid player. That's that, why that, I'm not saying I'm not putting the Tom Brady <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff on him. And, you know, someone put that on Twitter, like, immediately after he was drafted. And I was like, oh, no, that's not good for him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We, we haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm, not, I'm just going to paraphrase. It was a text that he's going to be our next Jim Plunkett. Oh, yeah. Where it's just, guys, calm down. You know, it's, it's okay to have a nice six, seven-year career, and maybe he only gets ten starts out of it. That's still a successful NFL career. Speaking of Jim Plunkett, the text came from Sir Whiskey Ray at 69187, keyword r Happy Friday, gentlemen. I'm just going to say it. Our fourth-round quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, will be our next Jim Plunkett. Let me back. Let me backtrack on this statement. That's a lot of pressure for this kid. I'm just hoping he'll be a serviceable quarterback when called upon. Only time will tell here. On to last night's uh, Lakers game. The stress got me hitting the booze hard. <laughs> that was a tough one to swallow after blowing the fourth quarter lead. Murray went off in the fourth quarter for 20-plus points and sealed the deal for the Nuggets. Game three is a must-win game for the Lakers. If not, Cabo awaits LeBron, AD, and Austin Reeves. Thanks as always, gentlemen. Have a great upcoming weekend. Sir Whiskey Ray. P.S. I hope Mama Q is doing okay after last night's Laker defeat. I've got whiskey on wine coolers to offer Mama Q. LOL. (laughs) 
That's for Sir Risky Ray. And look, she's been saying that they were going to lose since, like, I don't know, the series against the Warriors, so I'm sure she's doing okay. Uh, but I haven't checked in on her yet about last night's game. Didn't, you know, didn't want to run rub salt in the wound after that, uh, that loss like that, especially since I think they should have won that game but found a way to lose it. So we'll talk to Mo DeKeel coming up at 4.30, all things NBA. And I do believe, just like you, that all of a sudden game three is a must win for the Lakers. If not, it's, uh, like you said, Cabo. One, two, three, Cabo. They're on their way. But you know what? It's not even really one, two, three, Cabo because they've had a hell of a season. They really have. I mean, again, from where I thought they were in the play-in tournament to where they are right now, like if we had put money on it, I would have lost mine. That's for sure. Exactly. You take away the names. I know people don't want to do this, but if you take away the names and look at both teams in the West and the East, we're talking about a seven seed and an eight seed, two teams that had to win in the play-ins. But when you have a LeBron James, those expectations are going to be different. But obviously, I know people don't want to hear it. This is like a Cinderella run for this team. It is. It really make is. Make it to the conference finals for after sure. the first team to make it this far when you come to Man, since the play-in. I had Memphis burying them. They me, were done me too? With <laughs> Brother, don't remind me. <laughs> If John Moran would have did his job, we wouldn't have been talking about him flashing a gun on IG because he would have been playing in the playoffs. He's playing. Yeah, you ain't lying. (laughs) You ain't lying about that. So that's a a great point. Uh, Jim from Yonkers said, and then we'll take a break, I think it's too soon to determine but hard to count out a walk-on at a Big Ten school. He is accurate and has an arm but needs to see more of him. My thought is what would have been better, keep Stidham at $10 million for two years and have both the O'Connell pick and pick used to move up to get him or what they did getting O'Connell on the cheap. We'll have to see if that was the right decision, if the right decision was made, but could see Stidham versus O'Connell by the end of the season. Thanks for a great show. Enjoy the weekend. Heat have seven undrafted players, hungry dogs. That's Jim from Yonkers. And, yeah, I don't know about the Jarrett Stidham again. I was really surprised when he ended up going to Denver and got the two-year deal uh, that he, he received, I thought that he was the most valuable player to the Raiders and nobody else really across the league. But apparently, as we've heard from many people, he had a nice little uh, market as a free agent, and so he chose to go to Denver. Yeah, and also for the Raiders, do you want to pay him that? Or you can right. see, hey, these quarterbacks, you can get someone yeah. in, develop him the way you want to, and it is about the value mm-hmm. of the player that you're going to have there. Right, a fourth-round fourth pick ain't making $10 million. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, good for Jared Stidham, though, right? Turned that into a nice little uh, bag for him, and he hasn't done a whole lot except for get two career starts in the NFL. So that's not too bad at all. Before we t- take a break and uh, get to Sam Gordon to kick off hour number three, I wanted to give a big uh, birthday shout-out. And I feel like this guy's had like 50 birthdays. But uh, my guy, Jason, a.k.a. Twilight, uh, he's having his birthday party. And I believe he's having a birthday dinner tonight or tomorrow. No, it's tomorrow he's having a birthday dinner, I think, unless he doesn't know. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't have said that over the air because maybe he doesn't know. That's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Well, anyway, happy birthday to to Jason, a.k.a. Twilight. I swear it's like his 50th birthday he's had or 50th time he's had a birthday. But that's all good. I need to be in his house. I need to be in his house where he has multiple birthdays so he can get multiple birthday presents. But uh, that's my guy. So uh, happy birthday to him. Hopefully he's been enjoying himself uh, this week and uh, today and tomorrow, whatever the case may be. And if, Jason, you didn't know that you were going to go to birthday dinner tomorrow, you're not. I just made that up. I was just kidding. If you already knew, then you are. And never mind. You know the truth. 3.57 is the time. Sam Gordon's up next. It's Red Nation Radio 920.